Good morning, Brew Daily Show. I am Neil Fryman. And I am Toby Howell. On today's show, Elon Musk's dream of putting a wire in your brain is getting even closer. And we will review Catch Me If You Can, the sequel, Shack Edition. <laughs> then we'll talk about how El Nino is going to be El Not Good for the economy before Neil and I will no, no doubt get into a spirited debate about the new Starbucks ice cubes that aren't actually cubes anymore. Neil, it's Friday, May 26th. Let's ride. Neil, today is the Friday before our long weekend. I wonder how much work is getting done across the city right now. Negative. Yeah, negative work. I'm going to venture to say not a lot. It's a long weekend because Memorial Day is on Monday, which means you and I will not be jumping in the studio. But luckily for you all, we did plan ahead. We recorded a special holiday episode for you all. Should we spoil the surprise, Neil? Uh, yeah. Let's, Let's spoil. Do it. I can't. I can. I'm always a person who gives people <laughs> their birthday presents early. Um, okay, so we're almost 70 episodes into the show now, and a lot of you guys have no doubt spent a lot of time with us in your ears. It feels like we're all friends now, but we want to let you guys get to know us a little better. And so we actually sat down, Neil and I sat down and interviewed each other, kind of like a newlywed game meets interview podcast, just so you understand who Neil and Toby are, your hosts. And so we could understand ourselves. I know. It was a very, very therapeutic I'm still a mystery to myself. So if you're missing your Morning Brew Daily Fix on Monday, tune in because we will have an episode for you guys. So it will pop up in your feed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, let's... Let's get in the show. Definitely, definitely give it a listen. Uh, we do have to do fast week slow. Week oh yes, first. of course. You can't skip that. Sorry. Go what? ahead. All right. I was gonna say, it's a fast week. It's so lame at this point, but it truly was. I knew that this long weekend was. It was like exerting a gravitational pull on the week and dragging me towards uh, Friday. So I felt like it went by. Quickly. I feel like it's the opposite because I've been counting down the days to today, and everyone knows that a watch pot never boils. Oh, exactly. So when you look at the clock, it takes a little takes a little more slowly. All right, let's go to our first story. Uh, we know that Elon Musk, Elon Musk may still be working out a few glitches on Twitter spaces, but he could could soon put a drill into your skull and sew a wire to your brain. Oh, gosh. Neuralink, Musk's brain implant startup, just received FDA approval to start human clinical trials. It's significant progress for the company that had previously and controversially only tested its devices on animals. But this is a long time coming. In 2019, Musk said that Neuralink would begin human trials at least four times. And then it wasn't until 2022, last year, that Neuralink actually applied for approval and it was initially rejected. So getting approval now, finally, is an important first step that will one day allow our technology to help many people Neuralink completed. Yeah. First of all, the classic Elon just always over-promising and potentially under-delivering. But this is actually a very big step forward because human clinical trials are on the horizon, but I just want to run through some of the things that Neuralink promises, uh, or Elon promises Neuralink will help with, including obesity, autism, depression, uh, schizophrenia, and also enabling web browsing and potentially telepathy. So he's clearly shooting from the moon here with Neuralink, and he's very bullish. He said he's so confident in the device's safety that he'd be willing to implant them in his own children. So he's eventually 
he will probably put his money where his mouth is. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, but hopefully it is safe. I, I think that's the sound of all of his children leaving the country and hiding out. Yeah. But no, uh, this is a really interesting technology, and Neuralink is not the only company that is doing it. Mm -hmm. um, I think at least 42 people globally have had their brain, have had implants in their brain, and it's to help, you know, these various diseases and brain and neck injuries where you can't move and you still need to communicate. So there's this one instance of this guy with ALS who was able to text just by thinking the keystrokes in his mind. There's another one that using this technology, he could fist bump Barack Obama with a robotic arm. Yeah. So there are like really interesting use cases for this technology. I think the controversy and the ethics uh, come into play when you don't use it to help people get better from something that happened to them. Uh, it's when you sort of go full Iron Man mode right. and and go up with these enhancements and you're not just like baseline human anymore. You're half human, half robot. Yeah, I do wonder because who is going to apply for the, the clinical human clinical trials? Is it going to be someone who has a, a disability who wants to potentially have Neuralink helping with that? Or is it going I to be so. an able-bodied person? Who, yeah, like you said, because they haven't actually put out the call for test subjects yet. So if you are itching for to be a test subject, you're going to have to wait a little bit. I think so. I actually did see some people, some academics who are kind of bullish on this. were like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I am. I certainly am not ready to go. But then you have this arms race, maybe, where, you know, you're everyone's kind of getting it. And then they become these like, yeah, um, you know, superhuman robots. And then you're losing in kickball and you're losing out in, in tests and stuff. <laughs> and you're like, well, I guess I have to do it. Uh, I guess I have to be one with technology. It's kind of like a smartphone. You can't. You know, most people need to have a smartphone to communicate yeah. and get on with our daily lives. And yeah. I don't know if like being a, an advanced AI slash human is going to be like that. I love that you bring up kickball, though. That's the thing that <laughs> I don't that like the arms kickball. race. Yeah, that's funny. I did read some of the uh, the the possibility of what could go wrong with these uh, human trials. That must it, have been a long read. I know. It kind of is straight out of a horror movie. Here's one that I found is that there's a possibility that the implants wires migrate within the brain, which is just no, thank you. terrifying to think about. No, yeah. Thank you. So I guess, Neil, you're not signing up anytime. I like, I want to keep my brain. <laughs> you like what's going on in the there? The brain is a fragile thing, yeah. but it does sound like it could have really a revolutionary breakthroughs for people who just can't, uh, yeah. no. who can't move anymore. Okay. So, uh, you want to move on? Let's move on. Um, let's jump into the weather, actually. So I did mention El Nino at the top of the show. Climate scientists are warning that there is now a 90% chance of an El Nino weather pattern taking hold through the end of this year and into the first months of next year as well. So let's put our seventh grade science hats on, Neil. It's time for Science Toby to come back and refresh our audience as to what El Nino is. So El Nino is basically, I like to describe it as a climate roller coaster that happens every few years and messes with everything from the atmosphere to the ocean to the trade winds. Essentially, what is El Nino? It is this mass of warm water that is slowly sloshing across the Pacific Ocean and piling up near the coast of South America. And this causes widespread effects. It, mm -hmm. Everything from, like I mentioned, the oceans, but it also affects the economy. This is a business show after all. So a recent study from Dartmouth College estimated that El Nino starting in 2023 could cost the global economy as much as $3.4 trillion over the next five years. 
That's a big this number. This is because yeah. of like disrupting agriculture and drought and wreaking havoc on infrastructure and things like that. Pretty much anything you can mention, it El Nino is going going to affect. Yeah, definitely like food and um, right. and weather are like the the two biggest things. Um, and this is a very interesting fact, though. You feel the effects of El Nino for a long time. So mm. two previous very strong El Nino periods uh, in the 80s and the 90s caused U.S. gross domestic product to be three percent lower a half decade later than it otherwise would have been. So that means five years from now, we'll still be feeling the effects of El Nino that is just about to kick off. It's like a U.S. credit downgrade. I know, for the entire world, literally. It's also, it's so disruptive. I read that it is, it leads to wars or it is at least associated with wars. There was this research that was published in 2011 in Nature Journal uh, that demonstrates a link between El Nino years and civil war in 93 tropical countries. That is a crazy fact. I wish you saved it for Neil's numbers, but that is oh, well, that's that's fantastic. We yeah. got to get it now. Yeah. But the most pressing concern for El Nino now is because the NO AA came out with this its annual Atlantic hurricane uh, forecast, and it forecast a very chill, normal, average season because we have a lot of hot hot water out in the Atlantic due to climate that's been fueled by climate change, and they're kind of at record highs over there. So that would spur the formation of hurricanes. But then it's being counteracted by El Nino in certain ways that I don't quite understand. But it basically neutralizes each other, yeah. and we end up with just an average hurricane season. They think. It's going to be 12 to 17 named storms. Yeah. So apparently, because I was, I, I read into this and was trying to figure out why does it counteract? Because you'll, you're going to start seeing headlines of like two climate, cli, climate titans facing off hurricane season versus El Nino. And apparently it's almost like too much of a good thing for hurricanes. There's so much warm air rising mm -hmm. over the Pacific that it actually decapitates storms because there's too much warm air too high. Okay. And so it, it it's almost... They're becoming too powerful, and they blow themselves out before they can even form into storms. So, so that's kind of why we're getting a a normal hur yeah. hurricane. But even one can be bad, and you know, you grew up on the west coast of Florida. They got smashed with Ian last year, mm -hmm. and in total, uh, the 14 storms last year uh, damaged uh, the economy by 117 billion dollars. So, yeah. and killed a lot of people too. So, not great. They they did come out with a list. They know the list of hurricanes this year. So if you are a Brett, a Cindy, a Don, Emily, Gert, Jose, Sean, Tammy, just pray that your storm just like stays at a tropical depression level. <laughs> wait, wait, say Gert again. What is Gert? That? I've never heard of There's that. There's a Harold. Harold, yeah. Margo. I know. And, Arlene. And then also what was interesting is hurricanes used to be just named after female names, but yeah. then they recently changed that. And the reason it was female names is because a lot of ships are named after uh, female names. So it's kind of like aquatic. And they would name the ships and, you know, the captains would name the storms after females as well. For sure. All right. Uh, that's enough weather talk. Uh, let's go to this story. It's pretty bizarre. Shaquille O'Neal who everyone knows is the seven foot one NBA Hall of Famer uh, and an analyst for TNT. He was sued last year along with other celebrities for promoting FTX, the failed and potentially fraudulent crypto exchange. As part of this lawsuit process, you need to be handed legal papers that inform you that you're being sued. Like physically, I can't email you. I just, I need to actually hand it to you. Mm -hmm. that, that needs to happen. But somehow, some way, Shaq, has evaded him, has evaded these servers for the last four months. The lawyer suing him spent more than $100,000 for this search, hired two dozen process servers, which are the people who deliver a paper copy of the summons to the individual, and they just couldn't corner Shaq, despite Shaq being on TV 
in the TNT studio in Atlanta, like almost every night for the past couple months. We've all watched him on TV. I know. They couldn't find him. But this week, it finally happened. It was pretty poetic. Shaq got served his papers after the Heat Celtics game on Tuesday night outside of what is formerly known as FTX Arena in Miami. Just delicious, ironic symmetry right there that he's getting served in the place that used to bear FTX's name. I, this story is so funny because Shaq is the most conspicuous person right. maybe in the entire country. Like, he's seven foot one. He's on TV every day. How can you not find this right. man? So either they're incompetent or Shaq is the next Jason Bourne. Yeah, he, he might. He probably just has a team around him that intercepts these guys. So yeah. I did. I some The details of this just keep getting better. So the process server who actually eventually got to Shaq had to buy a ticket to the game. Oh. So he actually had to come in through the main door, dress probably as like a normal fan and he and he snagged Shaq as he was coming off the platform uh, that he was on commenting on the game and then this is the best part too is Shaq immediately got him kicked out of the arena too so he got served and then he's like security get this guy what out is there. Shaq's game like why this seems like you're gonna have to go through so much effort to block these guys from getting to you and you know it's gonna come eventually yeah I mean and- because if you avoid it, like, you are technically avoiding the problem. The lawsuit can't kick off without getting— I just would not want it over my head. Yeah. But the other—the the, the lawyer, Adam Moskowitz, who's uh, representing the people suing uh, these celebrities, was like, I've never seen anything like it. Like, the other 10 celebrities, Larry David, Steph Curry, uh, Naomi Osaka, like, were—Tom like- Brady were very compliant, and—, and He's like, in my 30 years, I have no, I've never seen anything like this. Like, he's on TV every day. We yeah. can't get near him. It's insane. I love it. I also did some digging because at the center of this lawsuit is Shaq's promotion of FTX. And everyone knows Shaq is like the GOAT promoter. I was trying to figure out exactly how many products or companies he's been associated with over the years. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find the list because it's too big. I actually found a 2015 Sports Illustrated article ranking the top 50 products. 50? Shaq. Top 50. <laughs> That's the right reaction because if you have a top 50 list, that means there's more than 50. And so I looked through the list and the top one was actually the Burger King Shack Pack. Yeah. And then the second one was the Triple Double Oreos, which is a fantastic promotion. I don't remember that, but I know he's on the board of Papa John's now, right? Yeah, he, he owns a bunch of Papa John's and Pizza Hut's around the country. Actually, I think it's Pizza Hut's, not oh, Pizza not, Hut. not Papa John's. And then my favorite Shaq promotion though is that he's a Buick spokesperson, mm-hmm. which is just a hilarious thing because you know Shaq is not folding his seven foot one frame into like a Buick sedan, and he's always getting out of these tiny cars in the commercials. And you're like, I don't buy I that know, for a second. I know what Shaq drives because in the Framingham, Massachusetts parking lot uh, or Natick, I saw his Shaq mobile. <laughs> which is a like a tractor trailer cab with a pickup truck attached to the back, and it has the Superman logo, and I it's know. like the Shack Mobile. And, and we're, I saw that he was like eating at California Pizza Kitchen. And we're supposed to expect that he he's folding himself into a Buick. Yeah, right. All right, Neil. Uh, before we jump into our next story, we're gonna take a quick break. All right, Neil, let's jump into our Friday segment, Stock of the Week and Dog of the Week, where we tell you all about one stock that outperformed the market and one that didn't. I called dibs on Stock of the Week, so I'll kick us off. But first, as always, we are just humble podcasters. So do remember that none of what you are about to hear is financial advice. So Neil, for Stock of the Week, have you ever been able to smell a stock chart? 
Yes, I said smell because our stock of the week this week is Abercrombie and Fitch. Low rise jeans and shirtless male models, Abercrombie and Fitch. Overpowering smell of cologne in dark stores, Abercrombie and Fitch. But honestly, this version of the iconic retailer, or that version of the iconic retailer, is dead and gone. Under new CEO Fran Horowitz, Abercrombie has totally changed up its brand. Its clothes are legit fashionable now. I see them all over TikTok, which is how you know that they've, they've made it. And consumers have totally embraced the shift. Same source sales grew 3% last quarter, even as the broader retail segment has struggled. And they raised sales expectations for the years ahead. All that combined to send the stock up 30% after the reported earnings and oh, over yeah. 20% overall for the week. Good for Abercrombie. I, I was never cool enough to shop there. <laughs> I was way too intimidating. So I I would always skip by there in the mall and, you know, pass to something it more boring like that. It was intimidating, wasn't it? Yeah, I, that's the whole point. Like, you yeah. had to be this hot freaking 14-year-old. <laughs> no, like, it's so messed up what they were doing. And, like, they got yeah. in trouble. Like, they got sued for oh, yeah. a, a bunch of stuff. And But, yeah, totally new Abercrombie. And I actually... I I truly love their stuff. Wait, like, do you buy it? I, they, I have one of their uh, their polos that like it's just like a very good summer yeah. summer shirt. So let, right. let's do a little online shopping. I'm definitely this, less you know. intimidated. Uh, let's go to the dog of the week, which is Kathy Wood. And this is not for anything that happened this week, but for something that happened a few months ago. So the, she's a famous investor, and her flagship fund, Ark Innovation dumped all of its shares of NVIDIA in early January, right before the stock went to the moon and gained $560 billion in market value, including its $200 billion surge this week uh, that we talked about on the show yesterday, and it's now very close to $1 trillion. So she basically sold the dip instead of bought it, which is kind of the inverse of what you want to do. Uh, I just want to explain who Kathy Wood is and why she matters. She's the head of the investment firm ARK Investment, which is in St. Pete's, by the way. Oh. Uh, and and then she's, she became this rising star picker and potential successor to Warren Buffett during the pandemic. Wood is now known for betting on stocks in these emerging industries like Tesla, Coinbase, Roku, NVIDIA, Zoom, DraftKings. But if that portfolio also sounds like your cousin's Robinhood account, that's kind of the problem. Uh, while these stocks popped during COVID and turned Kathy into a household name, it's a much different story now with higher interest rates kind of taking the wind out of the tech sales. And so this is a kind of a big miss for her. I know. And you know what's so funny is when I was writing for the Brew newsletter, I wrote an article yeah. calling like Kathy Wood, is she the new oracle of, of I guess, St. Pete? And I swear, I, t I timed the top with that article yeah. because ever since then, ARC has kind of been on a slow, actually not even slow, a, a rapid decline. And this NVIDIA news is just one more notch in the belt of, of like, one more L for Kathy Wood, if you will. All right. That was our stock of the week, dog of the week. Um, let's move on to Starbucks. Neil, we have some big news for the ice chewer in your life. Everyone has an ice chewer. I love chewer. it. Me. Mine is my older sister, so listen up, Hannah. Starbucks is moving away from bulky ice cubes and replacing them with nugget ice that is softer and more compressed. So that's the kind of ice that you find at Chick-fil-A and, yes, Sonic. So real ice chewers know that Sonic is the goat when it comes to ice. Starbucks is finally giving the people what they want here, Neil. No, the, the goat ice chewers don't want those small nugget or pebble ones because those are too easy. Those are flaky and crumbly and brittle. And I want, like, give me a cube. <laughs> no. That, if you what? ask any ice, ice chewer, they love the, the, the crunchiness. The Sonic ice is the gold standard 
your device. But maybe you just have like really strong. I ha- I go. Team. I don't operate in those yeah. circles. But this is also a very big deal for Starbucks because ice drinks make up about seventy five percent of all Starbucks sales. So this was actually it, it is not a small thing that they are making this shift because everyone gets ice yeah. in their drink. It's it's powered Starbucks over the last decade. And they want to cut their water usage by half by 2030. And they say that these new ice machines will uh, help them get there because they use less ice. But I put together some, I think a lot about ice and it's very interesting. <laughs> ice matters a lot to Americans more yeah. than any other country. Like For you sure. just went to Spain. Did they, did you get ice anywhere? They laugh. They literally like what the look down at you if you ask for ice. First of all, I've never been more proud to be American. <laughs> I know. From, at this moment. I love ice. So I, I, I did a little taxonomy of ice and like which type of ice goes with what drink because I think that's important. I don't think you should put, you know, the same, the same type of ice in every drink. Uh, water, I think you want the, that classic crescent cube. Mm-hmm. That sounds right to me. I'm on board. Uh, iced coffee. I'm down with Starbucks' shift to Pebble Ice. That's good. Uh, most iced tea, we're going back to cubed. Okay. Uh, and then, but there's one exception. That's sweet tea in the South, and you need crushed ice for that. That's not even a question. Well, now that you're saying all these, I do have strong feelings on ice because I agree with all those. Yeah. I know. I, this this is right. I am the authority. <laughs> Soda, I'm going mostly cubed, but again, there's going to be a carve out for the South. We got cherry Coke with a side of hush puppies. <laughs> you got to go crush there. Uh, whiskey, big blocky cube, obviously. Uh, and then beer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was, Don't put ice what about beer. milk? What about milk? <laughs> All right. So that is my taxonomy of ice. Uh, let me know if you also have strong thoughts <laughs> on ice. Uh, obviously, the Starbucks thing is dividing the Internet, but I think it'll be fine going forward. For because, sure. You know, I think the, the nugget ice for, for iced coffee works well. You put your straw in and you get the nice sound of the ice and the little resistance as well. All right. Uh, I'm sure everyone is itching to finish the day. Let's get into uh, the Memorial Day weekend mindset. Uh, we put together some quick quick economics oriented preview of the holiday so you can be insufferable and drop some (laughs) stats on your friends and family at the get together this weekend first a check-in on gas prices on the busy travel weekend after the huge spike in gas prices last year they've settled down to more normal levels so you're not going to be filling up for a hundred dollars on your road trip this weekend unless you have like a 2005 era hummer uh the average gallon of gas costs three dollars and 57 cents in the u.s right now about a dollar lower than last year at this time still it's higher than memorial day weekend in 2019 2020 and 21 which is because inflation is still rising at five percent I'm excited for you because you rented a car for this weekend. So Hell yeah, I'm gas out prices of here. finally affect you. We've, we always comment on gas prices, yeah. even though we never own a car. Um, okay, thanks for the travel preview, Neil. I'm taking the food preview, uh, and inflation is still ripping, as Neil mentioned. So I wanted to know what the most cost-effective Labor Day barbecue meal you Memorial eat. Memorial Day. Oh, you just skipped through summer, dude. I always do that. <laughs> Memorial Day weekend. Give me my summer. So the, the headline stat is 44% of Americans are planning on barbecuing. And so if you want to save money, here's what you should eat. Ground beef prices are actually 2% 2.1% lower than last year. So you can have beef, but do not put sauce on it because Kraft Heinz prices are 15.2 percentage points higher than the same time period last year. Also, definitely no dessert. Cookies alone are up a whopping 15.9%. Mm. But also, if you don't want dessert, eat your veggies. Fresh vegetable prices uh, were up just 1.4%. So borderline flat. But again, definitely no sauces or salad dressings on that because salad dressing prices are up 14.8% year over year. So putting that all together, you can have 
one ground beef patty with one piece of lettuce on it, no sauces, no dessert. Great opportunity to make your own dressing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Although we know olive oil prices are also up, so. <laughs> Never mind. It's a yeah, little that's tough. kind of the base. Finally, for this Memorial Day segment, uh, you can't talk about Memorial Day without backyard games. Uh, so for many, this weekend is definitely about firing up the grill and playing something in your backyard. I also think a lot about backyard games, so just like ice, so I also listed my top five here, and I want Toby's reaction, I want your reaction as well. I'm gonna start with five, go to one for a little dramatic effect. <laughs> Number five is horseshoes. <laughs> Number four is badminton. Number three is cornhole. Number two is can jam. And number one is catch. The age old game. The of goat catch. I actually. Throwing a ball back and forth. I will give you props for kind of mixing in some older games and some newer games. Can Jam is definitely one of the newer games. But I have to say, what the heck is Horseshoes <laughs> doing on this list? I have never. Where are you playing Horseshoes, Neil? Yeah, very rarely. <laughs> and, you know, you go to some place where they have Horseshoes and you're like, wow, I never <laughs> see them. I'm going to try it. And it's fun because you don't practice it ever. Yeah. And if the weight in your hand feels really good and it's a really unique technique that you don't use anywhere else. So when you see it, you have to play it, and that's why it's on the list. Okay, it feels redundant with cornhole, though, because cornhole is essentially just horseshoes with being No, eggs, what are you talking it? about? It's a completely different uh, <laughs> mechanism by which you have to flip it or spin it. It's underhand tossing, but I— That's like 90% of— <laughs> Backyard games yes. is underhand tossing. I, I do like catch as number one, but my one uh, d downside of catch is that have you ever started playing catch with with someone and no one knows how to end it? And so you're yes. just stuck in an infinite loop. Like no one wants to be the person to say like, yes. uh, you want to be done. And so it's just like truly like an awkward moment. That's so, funny. But I do. I do love it. Just be demonstrative catch. about when you want to end yeah. catch. Or you could just blame it on your arm. Like, ah, oh, uh, arm's getting sore. Yeah. All right. Uh, that is our show. I can't wait for the weekend. I hope you're all excited as well. Feel free to email us. I feel like we offered a lot of hot takes today with the ice and the catch and the <laughs> neural link. Yeah. Anyway, uh, definitely write in with any of your thoughts at morningbrewdaily at morningbrew.com. Uh, we could, you know, feature it on air. And always a huge shout out to our entire crew who made this possible. Samantha Velas and Raymond Liu are the associate producers. Uber Batista is the, assist is the assistant to the associate producer. Yuchena Waogu is our technical director. Billy Menino is on audio. Hair and makeup is long gone for the long weekend. Devin Emery is our chief content officer. Our show is a production of Morning Brew. Great show today, Neil. I wish you all well. <laughs>